And welcome to another episode of the Guys with Feelings podcast, where two guys discuss the ideas, influences, epiphanies, and yes, the feelings that make them better men. My name is Jamin Yee. And I'm Gabe Rose. And we're joined once again by a resident lawyer and pop culture expert, Alan I. Alan, how are you doing today? Great. Good to be here. <laughs> Good uh, to have you. Yeah, you, you look a little nervous. You, you, you a little nervous right now? I'm extremely nervous. <laughs> and, and pray tell, why is that? Um, well, we're going to talk about a topic today that I've been thinking about my whole life, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, it's been culminating to this one shining moment, so <laughs> there's, there's a little pressure. 32 years of momentum, all for this moment. Uh, <laughs> oh, nice and light. All righty. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen now Alan nervous in his entire life and all of our friendship together. So, yeah, this show is really bringing out all the emotions of Alan, the tears, the nervousness, like he's just, he's becoming a guy with lots of feelings. <laughs> I, I, I feel like you guys had ulterior motives of bringing me on this show. I, I thought I was just going to be pop culture expert, but that, that's know. how we reeled you in. And now we're, <laughs> we're just softening you up and blowing open your heart. <laughs> I mean, we we might get into some point like wondering whether Alan has too many feelings, but I guess we can just like cross that, you know, that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, enough with the chit chat. Let's get right into this. Let's get into it. Let's find out <laughs> what is making Alan so nervous. Um, so, Jamin, I know like you sort of had a little bit of a revelation recently that um we wanted to talk about today. So, like to kick things off, why don't you just say like what was your recent revelation yeah so like alan is saying um there is a shift happening in pop culture right now that i have been waiting my entire life for and i it really crystallized for me when i was watching the nbc show the good place which is a, which is a great funny comedy it's got Kristen bell in it it's uh by the makers of parks and rec really fun show and there's this asian character on the show and at first He's portrayed the way I've always seen Asian characters portrayed. He's like this silent monk, super serious, doesn't talk, doesn't have a fucking personality. And that was, and I was like, okay, here we go again. I've seen the stereotype a million times. And then the show flips it on you. And it turns out that was all this ruse. And his actual personality is he's kind of this like EDM rave bro who's really silly and kind of dumb and just pretty much opposite all the, the Asian stereotypes that I've, I've grown up watching. And there's this also a moment where Kristen Bell refers to him as a hot dummy. And he ends up getting with multiple characters uh, on the show and romantic, you know, subplots. And I was watching this and I was like, holy shit, I have been waiting my entire life to see something like this. Because um, my entire life, anytime I saw someone who looked like me on screen, they were either a martial artist or a nerd. And they were always serious, sexless, and just like quiet and had no personality. And I saw this on The Good Place and then started to realize this was happening everywhere. There's a bunch of shows, right, Alan? Yeah, it's the, the rise of the Asian-American hunk. The rise of the Asian hunk. It's happening. You and heard it here first. 2018, <laughs> guys with feelings. <laughs> wah, 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 Write wah. it down. <laughs> <laughs> we really need an air horn. Um, yeah, and and that's one example. But there's there's a ton of shows. There's um, 
The Walking Dead. Uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh-huh. Insecure. Uh, even in like movies like Fast and Furious, the character of Han. Um, and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I, I just want to point out, this is a, a show on a major network, and it has a plot you've heard before, right? This this girl decides to move halfway across the country to chase you know, the ex-boyfriend that she's still obsessed with. Except this time, the ex-boyfriend is an Asian dude, and he's like an Asian bro, uh, and like a hunky Asian bro. And it's just it just blew my mind, because most shows that I saw, if you had an Asian character, there was a reason... Uh, there was a had to be a reason why they were Asian, you know, to yeah. have them. And this guy could have been played by any white dude, like any mm-hmm. other show before it. And he's played by a hunky Asian guy. And I was like, oh, we are crossing some sort of Rubicon right now. And it's about damn time. It's about- <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> awesome. So I think we have established beyond a reasonable doubt that there is clearly a thing going on with the rise of the Asian hunk right now, which is amazing. I think... To help folks understand, like, why this matters so much. And, Jamie, why you said, I think your words were you've waited your entire life for this, you feel like. My entire life, Gabe. Entire life. So it's a long (laughs) life. Um, Like, to help folks, like, understand why this matters so much to you and and matters in general, I think it might be helpful to just sort of talk a little bit about your background growing up as a Korean guy in the sort of, like, white California suburbia town that the two of us grew up in. Yeah, yeah, happy to. Um, I think, you know, so to other people listening, maybe to white people who who are used to having, you know, their race represented on screen, um, it's a really interesting thing when you don't really have positive representations of yourself in the media. And uh, I've realized that this has actually like played a huge role in my life ever since I was a little kid, you know, watching TV, never saw... Asian people look like me. And if I did, they were the butt of jokes. You know, they were not cool. They're not Mm -hmm. anything to look up to. Uh, Growing up in white suburbs, uh, you know, most of my friends, all, uh, none of them spoke Korean. None of them were Asian. And it was this weird thing where even, you know, by the, by the time I was four years old, I remember I like told my mom, you know, growing up like any other Asian kid, I just, I automatically learned how to speak Korean. I just absorbed it the way kids do. And at four, I told my mom, you know what? I don't want to speak Korean anymore. None of my friends do it. I don't see anyone on TV do it. It's not cool. I'm only going to talk to you in English. And from that moment on, I made this conscious choice to kind of reject my own heritage and my own race in a way, which looking back, I think that's it's crazy for a young child to to be rejecting part of themselves like this. And, And this is kind of the power that media has in, in shaping your views of your own freaking race, you know? Yeah, and your it's own crazy. self and your own identity. Totally. Um, it's really powerful. And, yeah, yeah. And so how did that, so like at a very young age, that was already affecting you, the sense of like, I am other and I don't want to be other. Like, how did that progress as you sort of got older, got into middle school, high school, college? Like, what was the, what was the arc there? Yeah, so I feel like, just this constant message I was always subcommunicated to me about my race was that it was not cool to be Asian, that it was something that I should actually be ashamed of. It was the butt of jokes. It wasn't, you know, wasn't anything to look up to. And I definitely internalized that. And uh, growing up, especially in middle school and high school, as I became more social, I always saw 
like my race as something holding me back from maybe making more friends, uh, from dating interests, uh, was something that I was always kind of embarrassed about, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and it was just, I just always kind of felt like I never belonged. Um, whether when I was hanging out with Asian people, I was quote unquote too white. And when I was hanging out with white people, I was quote unquote too Asian. And I just kind of never felt like I belonged. And there was always this kind of chip on my shoulder, this constant kind of subconscious message of, you know, you aren't normal. You don't fit in with everyone. There's something wrong with you and you can't do anything about it. It's just, it's in how you look. It's, it's in the color of your skin. Um, and yeah, it was, it was something that, uh, you know, I've, I've really spent most of my life struggling with and caused me a lot of pain. Um, yeah. And I feel like once we, once we got into college together, um, it started like, I feel like the way that race and being an Asian man, like comes into dating started to become like more and more present for you. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So let me just tell, tell all the listeners out here. If you're, (laughs) you haven't been an Asian man before, (laughs) if you uh, don't know what that experience is like, it's, it's freaking weird being an Asian American guy in America. And, um, I think just in general, being Asian is, is kind of an interesting experience in that with the, with the way we're portrayed and the stereotypes about us, um, it, it can make things, you know, we may be the model minority. We may be lauded and looked up to in some ways, but on a social level, we're kind of like, yeah, kind of, uh, looked down upon. It feels like, and, um, and especially with dating, it's, it's super weird. You know, uh, I have a lot of Asian female friends who talk about how strange it is, how they feel like they're being fetishized. Uh, and a lot of people, um, <laughs> they call, we call it have yellow fever <laughs> where, um, you know, people of other races will, will have kind of this weird obsession with Asian women. Um, and that can sound like a compliment at first, but it's another way of, of otherizing, of still being exotic, of still not, you know, not being just seen for who you are, but, um, but still being viewed by, by the color of your skin. And for Asian guys, it's, it's like we're still being otherized and we're also kind of being shat upon. Um, I, every Asian guy I've ever talked to, we know what it's like. Like dating for us is just way harder than it is for anyone else. Uh, swiping on Tinder is is ridiculous. Even for my really good looking Asian friends, it's just they get one eighth of like the matches that, you know, some decent looking white dudes will be getting. And um, and yeah, and this is this is a very real thing. Um, there are some dating uh, websites that like statistics, right? Yeah. OK, Cupid. Was it? No. Was yeah. It OK, Cupid. I think some other sites have released stats. Um, but they actually show like with concrete numbers that, uh, yeah, Asian men are the least swiped on of, of all the other races of guys and Asian women are actually some of the most swiped upon, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so Alan, I'd love to hear like your, your perspective on this, both on sort of the, the rise of the Asian male hunk, the connection to dating, like where do you sort of, what is this spark for you? Yeah, I think taking a step back, it's just really cool to see yourself portrayed in media. And I think a lot of what Javen was talking about, the self-consciousness that came uh, with being an Asian American in America growing up, 
you're very self-conscious and there's an act of looking at yourself um, as you're doing all things. And I think that's why media representation is important because you're looking at others and that's another way of like portraying and reflecting your experience back at you, right? And it's cool to see people that look like you and doing different things and having unique voices and not just being one stereotype. Right. Um, and it's it's a way of creating community here too, right? Um, I think Jamin was touching on on the experience of being other and not fully fitting into one culture or the other. I remember growing up, like there's this shitty Margaret Cho sitcom called All American Girl. <laughs> oh, uh, it wasn't good, <laughs> but, and I wasn't allowed to watch TV at all either, but like whenever this is on, my family would get together and we would watch the show together <laughs> called All American Girl starring Margaret Cho, just because it's like, we got to support the Asians and it's just like, we want to see like more Asian representation on TV and we got to support that shit. Um, and it was cool. And it was like, I don't even remember the show if it was good or not, but I got to watch TV and I got to see someone that looked like me on TV. And I think that matters. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's about like representation, but then how you're represented, right? Exactly. So like Jamie talking earlier about just like, yeah, you, you get a decent number of Asian characters on TV maybe, but they're always playing to type. Like they're yeah. always playing to stereotype and you like, and never... it's like, you take what you can get. I remember when like <laughs> Romeo Must Die came out. So like Jet Li was in it. Yeah. And like and there's like rappers like DMX in it. Aaliyah's like the love interest. Right. And you're like, yes, Asians are fucking cool as shit. Like Jay-Z's on the soundtrack. <laughs> um yeah. but like, you know, Jet Li, if this was any other fucking movie, like John Claude Van Damme would be getting the girl at the end. But yeah. Jet Li was kind of this sexless, like cool like he was cool, but he did was he just, not he did he not get the girl? I never he saw didn't it. Get Romeo the, uh, didn't get Juliet, didn't even they didn't even have an on-screen kiss. No. Right? no. Isn't that ridiculous? Not not yeah, that yeah, women yeah. need to be like damsels in distress. Right. I'm just placing in the broader culture of these this type of movie. Yes. Right. That, right. You know? Right. And it's like he, there's just no there's no kiss. It's like what? What other movie would that not happen? With, like, the badass action star. If Jet Li kissed Aaliyah, my, like, middle school life would have, like, ended. Like, (laughs) oh, man. There's another timeline where where Jet Li kissed Aaliyah, and our lives were just so different from then on. No Tinder problems. (laughs) No guys with feelings. Some string theory shit. No no guys with feelings. Jamin would just out here being, like, a fucking asshole, you know, (laughs) disrespecting women left and right. Uh, (laughs) But here we are, all sensitive and shit. <laughs> Thanks, gently. <laughs> so maybe, maybe it was for the best. Maybe it was for the best. <laughs> oh, man. So it's it's funny, like, talking about this. It's just, like, all these little things, the Margaret Cho show, the Jetly thing, like, all these other things, things that, like, I mean, I was, like, you know, sort of, like, aware of this dynamic at a high level. But there's all these, like, significant cultural touch moments that were either good or bad that just, like, are all totally going over my head because, like... I'm just like growing up as like a white Jewish guy. I just like wasn't even though like we would talk about this stuff all the time. Just like wasn't attuned to it, and and obviously the same way that you guys are. Yeah, but you know I think you do have an interesting perspective because we grew up together, right? Middle school, high school, college, and um, I mean you tell me like from uh, from our time growing up together. Like, did you see me? struggle a lot <laughs> with this yeah, yeah. Se- like this self loathing yeah. self hating of my asian identity and and feeling like it was always something that um actually like hurt my social standing and yeah. changed the way people approached me and looked at me yeah yeah no definitely i i think it was i mean i remember it being a real thing from even the time 
I think we were in middle school together. Middle school has been sort of a lot of these like social dynamics really start to play out with more intensity. And it's the way you talk about it, it reminds me and the way I experience it is just like the conversations I feel like I've had with a lot of biracial people over the I mean, I don't think you don't identify as biracial, but like just that sense of like not having not sort of fitting in in either community. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I feel like you like had this double challenge of like growing up korean like in a mostly white suburb but like you also didn't have like that much of a korean community that you were a part of in walnut creek like you didn't have like a big fan like a lot of people have like a big like ethnic family that they're surrounded with i think about like sarah my wife or you alan i think like growing up like a lot of people that come from other cultures at least have that sort of foundational thing but i think not having that also for you jamin like really it feels like it added to the sense of like oh i don't like have a home in either place and yeah i remember like even just observing the broader dynamics, I think like college was when I really started becoming aware of a lot of this and um, just the whole, I don't know how long it would have taken me to observe it if like you hadn't been pointing it out to me, but the whole like way like people pair off at a place like UCLA where there's large white mm-hmm. and large Asian populations where um, at least like when we were in school, you know, white guy with Asian woman was super common to see her on campus right. and Asian guy with white woman was just very uncommon to see her on campus, you know? And it's just, I mean, I think sort of the proof is in the data there. And again, that's not like ever, obviously, to disparage any one particular couple. It's not about like, it's not about that. It's just about zooming up on the balcony and just looking at like the overall data you're seeing in front of you and be like, wow, there's clearly some, some dynamics going on here. Yeah. I mean, for most of my life, it felt like there was this unspoken rule where the only women that would actually find me attractive and dateable were women of my own race. And it was almost like this immediate, like, oh, just assume that anyone else of any other race is going to automatically friend zone you. It won't even look at you as a potential, you know, possible interest. And yeah, that's, it's kind of this subtle thing. I feel like that just seeps into your subconscious and it's just kind of constantly sending this message of like, you are not uh, a full, like worthy three-dimensional human being, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And it just, it, yeah, definitely caused a lot of uh, self, like loathing, self hate towards myself, towards my own race in my life. And, and I remember, like, I'm just remembering now, like when I was a kid, or I mean, through those middle school and high school years, like I was an angry kid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny for me to remember that because I, I feel like now I'm, I kind of am like out of touch with my anger, like in a, maybe in a negative way, like I could get back in touch with it a little more. Um, but in like middle school and high school, like this kind of self loathing created so much um confusion in me and i remember just constantly like at home just always being upset like exploding and like these temper tantrums um like my house had all these holes in like the walls and doors because i would like just like be so upset i would like kick and, and punch them and uh and so much of that was tied into this feeling that like i wasn't good enough as i was and there was nothing i could do about it Right. It's like I could I could uh, become this cool guy. I could win all these film awards. I could, you know, have all these cool friends and I could never change the color of my skin. And I always felt like that was something that was used against me. Yeah. And you probably took it out on your parents and like sort of like, you know, and all that confusion. You like you're looking for like a sort of object for that. Yeah. 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 And that's the side of you. Honestly, I, I didn't really even see that much like even though we were super good friends back then like i didn't really realize back then at all how much of that you were carrying yeah it's definitely something i i 
kept under wraps more, but it's, it's a big part of my life, as my mom can probably tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's yeah. glad that that part is over. <laughs> yeah. To, to take it back to like the whole dating um, thing also, I think when you feel lower as a person or, you know, not as empowered, mm-hmm. then it can be toxic, not just like you're angry, but you, you take it out on other people, including like the women that you date or the way you view mm-hmm. women. Um, and it can be like very objectifying because it's like, oh, I feel lower. And, you know, you're kind of making conscious decisions about who you date to make yourself feel better about who you are, or you're very just like self-conscious about who you're dating. I don't know if you have any experience with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it, this is something that I feel like still has influences on me now, which I, um, even like these days, I feel like a lot of these issues are not as present in my life. Um, I think because of things like living in uh, the San Francisco Bay area, where it's just super progressive and diverse and I'm around a lot of mixed couples and a lot of really open people. Um, I think I've also healed a lot of my self-confidence issues and, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like I used to walk around with race colored lenses all the time. If mm-hmm. someone was rude to me, if someone gave me a double look, the first thing is, oh, it's cause, is it because I'm Asian? Are they, are they judging me? Are they looking down on me? And now I feel like that almost never comes up. I, I, you know, this almost sounds kind of silly to say, but I don't walk around thinking of myself as Asian these days. I mean, obviously I'm proud of my Asian heritage now and that is a big part of me, but a lot of times I'll, that's just not my lens for seeing the world. Though a few things will come up before I think, oh, was this due to my race? Yeah. Um, and yet, at the same time, as as much as I've, I, I seem to think I've grown past that, I notice like with what Alan's talking about, um, these a lot of these ideas are still kind of lodged into my head. You know, um, the last few women I've dated were uh, not Asian. And I remembered this feeling that, you know, when I was dating a white woman or I was walking down the street with her, there was a subconscious part of me that felt like, oh, like I am, I have, you know, transcended the stereotypes of my race. Like I am, I am not, you know, one of those Asians or something like that. Uh, There was like this sense of pride from that. And I just want to be clear, like this was never the reason I dated any of these women. And it was like a very subtle thing. But it was definitely there, and it doesn't feel good to know that 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 that's there, and and still subtly influencing my my dating decisions. And on the yeah. flip side of that, I do notice like if I'm dating an Asian woman, when we're walking out in public together, I do have the thought like, oh, are are people looking at me and at at, at us as if you know we were some sort of Asian stereotype, and yeah. and do they see me as someone who you know is only allowed to date within their race and yeah, just all sorts of weird things like this that come up in dating situations. Yeah. 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 And I, I think it's, it's like so interesting. You just like touching on it from a few different points in your life, like the interaction between the real original sort of harm that's happening and then the story that gets built. Right. Mm-hmm. So like there is like, there are stereotypes, there are perceptions that, that are like very real. You can get like the hard data on it from like, okay, Cupid or like swipes or whatever in terms of like the sort of box that Asian men are, are generally put in, um, in our mm-hmm. culture. And then you have the story that builds and then you, so you get this doom loop going, right. Where like, I think you'd sort of say like that, yeah. that story became so powerful inside yourself that then 
maybe you wouldn't quite say this way, but it almost starts to like head towards self-fulfilling prophecy territory, maybe where Mm -hmm. like you sort of have that in your head and then you start to act differently. And then I don't know. I don't know if that resonates at all or not, but it's like the interaction of the two. Definitely. Yeah. Race is such an interesting thing because it's partly a social construct in some ways. And, and so much of it is so subtle that a lot of times you're like, is this in my head? Am I making this up? Did they treat me weird because they're just assholes or did it have something to do with the color of my skin? And it's something that you never have a clear 100% black and white answer yeah. on. And in some ways, it can make you weirdly paranoid and crazy in your head, which, you know, when I look back on my high school and college years, like, I was just stuck in those loops all the time. And it was really unhealthy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and Alan, I know, like, you know, you think about this a lot through sort of a broader lens, like not just dating, like... I mean, do you have any sort of other like angles you think are important to talk through in terms of like the harm that that these sort of stereotypes do? Sure. Well, also just going back to the point about, you know, the hard data and the stories we create around the data. Mm. I think that's where the media aspect really comes in because the media Mm. is telling news stories or hopefully now they're telling news stories or stories that maybe not news stories, but stories haven't traditionally been told. Um, And that's a way of remaking the social construct and the narrative in a way that is much more positive and full for us and and others. Um, And I think I'm excited about this moment, just, you know, seeing Asian American hunks that, (laughs) and, but also just like normal Asian Americans, like people who are allowed to just exist and be their own characters, not defined by their Asian-ness, right? right? They can just be people. They're they can just be people. humans. Like what, what Jamin was saying about Crazy Ex-Boyfriend, like that role wasn't necessarily written for any race, but we just assume when it's not coded specifically, it's a white person. right? Um, and so it's cool to start seeing like other races in those roles. And another thing that I'm excited about for our current moment is just that I think this is very much the byproduct of having more people of color in the writing room and being creators. If you think of Han in Fast and the Furious, he is boys with Justin Lin, who's one of the directors mm-hmm. of Fast and the Furious. Right. And so, you know, once you start having people in all different parts of the entertainment industry, you start seeing these different roles. Uh, yeah, even executives, voices. right? Like people higher up. Um, that makes a huge difference. And these shout are- out like Insecure, you know, like doing a great job and just like including all these different voices and and like having such a diverse cast. And I, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Right. This is why it matters to have people of color as directors, as executives, um, to have different minorities represented, to have different genders, right? Like just having more and more diverse viewpoints allows more of those to spill over onto the screen and, you know, as we're, as we've been talking about for the last, you know, 30 minutes or so, these things matter. The seeing yourself represented on the screen, like, makes a huge difference. You know, that's why Black Panther was such a huge uh, thing, you know, for millions of black kids to see, uh, you know, an African superhero, like, just badass on screen, regal. I mean, these things really leave an impression on you and can shape how you view yourself how you view others and how others view you as well. And uh, it's not trivial at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, very well said. Um, do you guys have any closing thoughts or any sort of like other sort of threads to pull on that, that you feel like we haven't gotten to yet? Um, 
I do want to say, I think just, uh, yeah, just kind of closing out my arc from little kid who, who rejected his, uh, his Korean language, um, which is something I've always regretted. <laughs> I would have had an easy second language. You had instead. one. <laughs> yeah, I had one and I threw it away. And now I can speak English and really, really shitty Spanish. <laughs> and that's, that's just such a bummer. Um, but uh, yeah, like, you know, I, I, I love the fact this is a fun fact about myself. I don't know if most listeners know, but Jamin is actually my middle name. And for most of my life, when Gabe knew me all throughout middle school, high school, when Alan met me in college, I went by Chris, my first name. And um, it was actually a pretty big moment for me after college. Um, I, I realized that I actually wanted to go by my middle name, my Korean name, Jamin. And um, that was something that I, <laughs> I would not have seen coming as a kid, I, I wanted to do everything possible. I, I was ashamed of my middle name, right? It was something I hid because it made, it gave away, right? It, it like, it otherized me. And, um, and I don't know, like, I think with this journey I've been on, I, I came to this point where I actually became to embrace this part about me. And I think I still have a ways to go. There's still a lot I, I need to um, reconcile and, and grapple with, with my Asian identity. But I feel like I've come to this place partly due to myself and partly due to the changes we're seeing in our culture where I can finally be proud of my heritage and, and I want to do more to help get that pride out, help, help lift that in other people, maybe record podcasts where we talk about things like this, perhaps <laughs> maybe help with the creative work. I do tell, tell more um, about Asian stories and give that kind of perspective. Um, keep the dialogue going in, in any ways. So, yeah. So from Chris to Jamin, the, uh, that's the story of this Asian American hunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great, man. Alan, any, any closing words or thoughts? Uh, fuck the model minority myth, but <laughs> we cool with hunks that are model minority. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thanks like both of you for just sharing like your stories and your perspective. I think that was really rich and, and it's also just, Jamie, in terms of like your own trajectory and path, it's been amazing to actually like be on this journey with you over <laughs> over all these years from like middle and high school, and I didn't really even know this was happening or what was going on, and, <laughs> and sort of like your your arc and trajectory on this has just been like amazing to watch. Once I actually became conscious and aware of it, um, and I think it's really beautiful, and I think it's it's beautiful then not just like have that arc, but take and be able to share it with others. Um, so we can all sort of like learn and, and draw out really important lessons from it. Oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate you being there with me during all that time. And yeah, I'm just super stoked that future generations and, and young Jamins growing up now are, are going to have it a whole lot easier um, due to just more diverse representation. So fuck yeah to that. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. You can find all episodes of Guys With Feelings at guyswithfeelings.co. Shoot us an email at guyswithfeelingsshow at gmail.com. Music for the podcast is by Broke for Free. And if you're feeling generous or not, leave us a review. And that'll do it for this episode. Until next time, we hope everyone out there is able to embrace the lows, celebrate the highs, and appreciate the messy journey in between. We'll see you guys next time.
Okay, so you're, Alan, you're bringing up a memory from college? Yeah, so we got in a fight, like maybe freshman year in college, where I made fun of you for not being able to speak Korean. <laughs> Uh, I don't remember that. I don't remember this. (laughs) And I knew knew it was like a trigger, too, because I was like being a dick. And you got hella mad. You got hella mad. And you like knocked over some shit and just like left. We were eating dinner and you just like walked out and like kind of like, you know. And then it was kind of where we were at the point where we were guys and we never talked about it ever again. But then, you know, the next time I saw you, like, we're cool and we dapped up. But we have never talked about it, I think, until now. Until this moment. Until this moment. Like 10 years later. Um and yeah, I mean, it was clearly a thing that we both thought about a lot. Uh, and it, it, yeah, it just kind of, that's an example of how it's affected us, you know? Man. Yeah, I, I didn't remember that. But you bringing that up, just it just reminds me, there were, there were a lot of little instances like that. Maybe not necessarily fights between us, but so many uncomfortable or weird moments kind of reconciling our Asian identity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When I, I remember Facebook was a new thing when we started college, right? And I like made sure that my wall or my like top friends, it wasn't all Asians because I didn't (laughs) want to be perceived as like an Asian that had only Asian friends, you know? Yeah. Like that shit is real. Isn't that, isn't that so weird? Yeah. There's like this thing where, and that's what I was kind of talking about when I was talking about if I'm walking around with an Asian girl, and there's a part of me that's like, oh, am I getting grouped into to this subset of Asians who can only hang out with with other Asian people? Um, or am I being seen, you know, as like, yeah, as, as other. And man, it's just so weird. All these little weird things that every Asian guy has definitely thought about. Many I times. think, yeah, it's and I don't think it's necessarily specific to, to Asians, but right. just any other person in, in our culture, you're just like always conscious you know of of both aspects of of your life and your your being yeah man still can't believe you brought that up in the dining hall though man (laughs) (laughs) that was a big move shit was real Gabe, where were you i I don't i don't remember this at all but i'm zero percent surprised (laughs) sounds like but yep that was you then and yes that was you then that all makes sense 